I'm Brian Kluger, and I'm here with a co-hostess with the ever-loving mostest, Susan Stevens, the SS herself. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing great. Not too bad. I'm just excited to see your face to do this, you know? Because I, I don't know. know when we're like doing this audio-wise, if you're making faces at me or not, uh -huh. which is fine. I usually am, yeah. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure. You, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, so we're, we're trying out this video episode. It's our fifth episode. We're on iTunes and Spotify and iHeartRadio and Stitcher Radio, if I believe. This is, our, this is our fifth episode. We've made it five episodes. And the episode is called 120 Days of Crying. If you get that reference, I love you. Maybe Susan does. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I had to ask Brian what it meant. So hopefully what it, it meant. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Our, our main topic today on the show is going to be about the saddest moments in television and film. We have bets going on on who's going to cry more. I think it's going to be me. Because Susan is actually this no heart or soul. She just doesn't, she just doesn't cry or laugh at anything. I do cry. I just, <laughs> I, I just don't think that, I think in this podcast with some of the stuff that we're talking about, I'm going to be laughing more. I mean, I, I love the movies that make me cry, but I just feel but like. But she laughs at them. <laughs> there are there are supposedly sad movies that make me laugh too. Yes, correct. And why she why Susan is saying that she's gonna laugh is because our blind watch this week was picked by me, and it is so far from crying or emotional type things ever. Or a movie, so far from a movie. <laughs> we'll get yeah. there. It's amazing. <laughs> it's a movie. Uh, so uh, yeah, we're gonna do our blind watch. We're gonna talk about the saddest moments in TV and film. But first, we gotta do our movie and TV updates for the the past few days. And in the last like forty eight hours, so much has come out. So first up, Susan's best friend in the whole world, Joe Exotic, the Tiger King himself, is getting a feature uh, or, or a TV series made about him, and they have cast Joe Exotic himself, Susan's best friend. Susan, deliver the good news to everyone. My buddy Joey is gonna get played by the Nicolas Cage. And oh I'm yes, <laughs> I'm so excited about this. Yeah, I'm really thrilled. Honestly, I there were there were so many actors that reached out when this thing was a a hot show, like Dax Shepard and David Spade. They were all wanting um, to play Joe Exotic before this was even considered to be a movie. And I just, I never would have thought it was going to be Nicolas Cage. I'm, I'm thrilled that it is. I really want to see him do this role and I hope he does it well. I think he's going to do it well. Nicolas Cage is an Oscar winning actor, leaving Las Vegas, raising Arizona, adaptation, matchstick men. He is a great actor, but recently in the last like what, several years, he's just said yes to literally everything. And he's, you know, he screams, he freaks out. That's what people know him as. He's a meme. 
And so I think he's going to be a little bit of both of that. And I can't wait to see him freak out about killing Carol Baskin. I, I'm, I picture it in my head and I think it is going to exceed my expectations. What about you? Yeah, I just, I think these past couple of years, he's just been taking a paycheck and he's been phoning in his parts. Like, I do think he's a really great actor because I know there was a time when I considered him a good actor and I've almost forgotten about it. And I just, I can't wait to actually hopefully see him take this role seriously funny, like really give it what he's capable of. And I think he'll do a fantastic job if he just puts in the effort because he is talented. No, I, I, I think he's very talented and this is going to be great. And I can't wait to see who they cast in every other role. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, this, this new project that Nicolas Cage is going to be Susan's best friend and Joe Exotic is, uh, is going to be an eight episode series produced by Imagine Entertainment and CBS Studios. So I'm very, very curious and I'm going to wonder like just how they're going to do it. If they're going to do CGI Tigers, if they're going to show all of this, it's going to be rated R. Is it going to be, I mean, the most ridiculous man ever to live is probably Joe Exotic. And I think Nicolas Cage can exude that yeah. <laughs> perfectly. So it's not going to air on Netflix then? I don't know if it's going to air on Netflix. I just saw Imagine Entertainment and CBS yeah. Studios, so I don't know where it's going to go. It might, I mean, if CBS Studios is doing it, they could technically air it on their CBS All Access app. Yeah. So, um, yeah, who knows? Who knows? But yes, great news. I got even crazier news. So we all love Tom Cruise. I do. And the man is like 103 years old in Hollywood years, but I think he's like 52 <laughs> or 53. And the dude still does his own stunts. So no, it, it is absolutely, absolutely crazy. So he announced just yesterday that his neck his next film or the movie he's going to work on is actually going to be shot in actual space and that he wants to take the Elon Musk SpaceX uh, spaceship and film a 90 minute movie up there orbiting earth kind of like gravity but like real and I'm like only Tom Cruise would be able to do that you know I did not know about this. this is a first, I saw this was on the run sheet and I was like, what? I'll just have Brian explain it to me. Yeah, so the, <laughs> Tom Cruise will be, uh, will star flying through the stratosphere shooting an unknown film aboard the International Space Station in uh, conjunction with NASA. <laughs> Has this been approved? Yes, it's approved, it's happening. Uh, That's I crazy. I don't know what's, and he's, he's going to be the first Hollywood A-list actor to actually appear on screen outside the planet's atmosphere. Because I mean, of course, everything's done here. Yeah. And like, you know, something like, uh, like Apollo 13 with Tom Hanks, where they like did what they called the vomit comet, where they like went in an airplane and they like went down pretty fast, which simulates uh -huh. the weightlessness. No, Tom Cruise is going to space. What is the insurance on him? Like, this dude is nuts and amazing and a badass. He's like the American Jackie Chan. He does his own stunts and he's going to space, Tom Cruise. Wow. Uh, I'm really excited. <laughs> that, that's insane. I just, I can't believe they, well, he probably at this point during this quarantine time, he's probably like, I don't care. 
I'll do whatever. Probably <laughs> just that desperate to leave. I, I mean, so like in the Mission Impossible movies, we, we see him like, you know, hold on to an actual airplane while it takes off outside. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've seen him jump multiple buildings, do his, all his own stunts. And, you know, you've seen and heard interviews about him with other actors and filmmakers. Like, yeah, dude, he just does it. Yeah. And he's going to space. Can I be on this rocket too? <laughs> I just want to see what comes out of this. I want to know, well, how, how difficult is that going to be to actually, unless he's doing a film kind of like a Blair Witch Project kind of style thing where it's like one camera you, you know like i just there there i bet you there's going to be a crew i don't know how they're going to do it that's going to be difficult they, i mean if he's going to if he's going to go to a space station you know they they could yeah. bring people up there in the spacex you know it could take, yeah. i don't know how many people but between 4 and 8 so they can go up get into orbit and then come back down get some more people so it could be like you know a small team of like five or six people up Isn't there with Tom Cruise. And I wonder if like when they break for like lunch or for the night, if they're actually going to stay up there or if they have to come back down to earth. Cause that would seem more dangerous going back up and forth a bunch of times. Right. Well, that's, so, that's the thing. Yeah. How you can't, is it, it's not like flying a plane. It's not like you just go back and forth to space. Like it's no big deal. Hey, I'm going to go to space tomorrow. Come back tonight. <laughs> Like, well, SpaceX, that's what you're supposed to do. That's like good happen. But being aboard the space station is something different. So, yeah, I'm trying. Has Tom Cruise ever made a space movie like, you know, set like him as an astronaut or like at a space station, not just like on another world or something like that? I don't think like he I has. Can, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know of one. Maybe it's Pirates Top is- Gun 3. Maybe they're filming them back to back and he's like, gonna go to space as a maverick yeah yeah maybe (laughs) so very excited about this news i don't i can't wait to know more about it yeah same same there you go so and another bit of really cool news that will um excite star wars fans uh across the galaxy taika watiti our good friend taika watiti who Susan and I got to talk with and meet at Fantastic Fest for Jojo Rabbit, Um, the guy who brought us uh, What We Do in the Shadows and uh, Thor Ragnarok, The Hunt for the Wilder People, and of course, Jojo Rabbit. Taika Waititi, the director, the actor, the writer, has uh, been greenlit to make his own Star Wars movie, which is super cool. Taika actually got to direct an episode of The Mandalorian, which is awesome. And oh, that's right, because he was in that, yeah. Yes, yes, and he got to direct an episode too, and I think they liked it so much, and he's just doing so well. Here's your own Star Wars movie, so yes. Yes, so, and I want to also congratulate his writer on the film as well, or his co-writer, Christy wilson Karens. She was the co-writer of 1917. Uh, got to talk to her when she came into town, and she was so just like so energetic and I think she seemed really sweet, but also she's a talented writer. And I think that's just such a great team up. Those two are going to, I feel like though I don't think we need another star Wars movies with these two on it. I'm excited for it. I'm down. Right. So we know what TD can write and Christy Wilson proved herself with 1917, but also it 
is of very high importance that Christy Wilson Cairns is, has written along with Edgar Wright, Edgar Wright's latest film, Last Night in Soho. You know, Edgar Wright did Shaun of the Dead and Scott Pilgrim and Baby Driver, which are all awesome. So if she's part of this and part of Taika, she's a badass. So yeah. high hopes and high and very extreme high hopes for a screenplay that is good as this, what seems to be the Star Wars movie. So there you go. Uh, nothing really known about it yet uh, as far as what's going to be happening. But yeah, the a new Star Wars movie that will be theatrically released. So yeah. it's big news. It is. It is. That's huge. I, he must have really presented something. I, that's my guess is that he presented something unique and different. I, you know, it's interesting because I would like to talk with him about Star Wars. But, you know, in Hollywood, if you do something write and make a lot of money they're going to ask you for more so like jj abrams like he proved himself a lot but then he redid star trek and it did wonders and they're like oh let's give him star wars and maybe he knows about that so i think yeah. that taika has proved himself to be a badass with marvel you know part of disney star wars the whole thing yeah. as well as jojo rabbit doing the oscar uh, run and then you know, you have him become part of the Mandalorian and it was very much talked about, his character and his, his one episode that he directed. I feel like, oh man, it's not, the, the execs are like, oh, he knows yeah. Star Wars. Do you want to do Star Wars? He's probably, yes. It's like, well, what do you have? <laughs> I mean, and you just pointed out something that's a huge, and it's very true what they say, like he just won the Oscar for best uh, adapted screenplay and it's, that that is a very that's a golden ticket that really can get you far. It's that, that and they're going to use that Oscar winning Taika Waititi. So right, right. Yeah, no, I'm I'm excited. We're going to come mm -hmm. back with more info on this when we hear about it. Right. Absolutely. Yes. Um, and we got a couple other bits of news. Uh, Susan on the run sheet. There's something called <laughs> "Listen to Your Heart," and I'm picturing a Celine Dion moment here. Uh, is this true? What is listen to your? You, we talked about it last time too. It was that show, the Bachelor, the Bachelor spinoff. Yes, the Bachelor spinoff. Yeah. Okay, okay. Update me because I'm dying to know. <laughs> so when we last talked about it, they were these random people who were singers were paired up in a or well mingled in a house, and now they've paired up. They're down to it's it's just a six week special, and we're already going to. We just, they just had week four, uh, so there's only going to be two more episodes, and it's down to four couples. They've paired up, and here's the thing that's just a, a little annoying about it that I wish, like, I really do wish that they would just go ahead and say, these people are more here for their careers. They want to be singers, and they have, the girls are awesome, the men are okay, but... I just, it's so funny, Chris Harrison goes there, and he's, like, dead serious about, like, Number one is the relationships. Those are relationships. So you just need to make sure that whoever you're with, like you are, you can see a future after the show, which I'm like, okay, maybe there's one couple, there's one couple, Chris and Bree, they fell in love like after a day, um, confessing their love, singing a song together, and they actually seem like they could work out. But everybody else there is like, we'll see. Uh, but what makes me cringe every time that I think Chris Harrison is dying inside. Like this is even much for him. I honest to God think Chris Harrison enjoys doing the bachelor 
and bachelorette because he's become more like almost a therapist to these people and become their friends. This is definitely a spinoff that he's just like signed on for, for the, you know, why not extra money. And he's always like, he ends, he's like, and remember guys, listen to your heart. And I just feel like he dies inside. Like, I, I feel like he has to keep from smiling. I feel like he turns around and he's like, give me my check right now for that. So anyways, they've, they've, they've got four couples now. They've uh, performed in front of past Bachelor alums and like musical artists, actually some big names like Jason Mraz, Kesha, Tony Braxton, Andy Grammer. Uh, next week, they're going to have... Uh, and I'm spacing on his name. It's the person who's saying Angel and wasn't me. Shaggy. Shaggy. Oh, it wasn't me. Wasn't me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they, they actually have like legit judges and stuff. And um, anyways, they're going to narrow it down to one final winner who I think will win a recording contract and a tour. So it's like I, like I said this last time, it's something to watch. It's entertaining enough. Well, there you go. So, so there's four couples left. Does that mean there's four episodes left or two episodes left? Just two. There is just two. So that's what I'm really, I guess what they'll probably do, I'm assuming is, I don't know if they're going to cut it in half or if they're just going to get rid of one couple and have the final be like three couples in the final and pick one winner. Maybe that might be right. how they do it. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. All right. And then, uh, after this Bachelor uh, news, our last little bit of update. Um, here in Texas, since Susan and I are in Texas, we live, you know, just a few minutes away from each other. Um, Texas, as of like Monday, so it's Wednesday today, as, two days ago, have like announced they're like, everything's opening again, basically. So like salons and nails and restaurants. Tanning beds. Uh, yeah, tanning beds, it's all opening. So, Susan, Texas opening back up. Thoughts? What's opening? What are you excited for? What are you not excited for? Shall we still quarantine? What's the deal? I, I'm shocked because this is definitely not all states. I mean, I know, like, California and New Mexico and obviously, like, other states, they're, they're staying locked down till the end of May and then indefinitely kind of thing. But... Uh, I, I have mixed feelings because there is part of me that's like, and I hope people realize this, these openings, they're happening with restrictions. Okay. So like with the, with the hair stylists and nail salons, they're supposed to, you know, have one at a time, keep your mask, don't let it overfill, keep the social distancing. I don't know how they're doing tanning beds. That's a risk of their own. Um, Restaurants are doing the 25% capacity thing, which I personally still don't think it's worth it for me to go to a restaurant yet. I don't either. I'd rather just get to go. We've been doing our to-go thing. We're totally fine with it. I, I can't wait, but I, I really want to check the two weeks. I'm surprised because when they first put in the, the thing, they were supposed to wait two weeks. I guess the hair salons had already been fighting for it maybe, but the true test is going to be this weekend to see just how high it spikes. Because I mean, I, th I think like in two weeks it will see if it, yeah. But yeah. I mean, ever since for like the past four days, every day in Texas has been like the biggest number of cases happening. Yeah. So I don't. I, who knows? Well, and that's my worry is that I think it's getting to a point where 
they're ignoring the numbers. They don't even care anymore because they're caring more about the economy. A lot of people care more about, you know, living their lives. And it's, it's been quoted that it's like, well, some people are going to have to die, but you just can't stay in forever kind of thing. So, I mean, I say, take that as you will. That's a direct quote. And it's, and that's where I'm like, like, what do you do if this was to go on for the next, if they don't, because at this point, the only thing we're waiting for is what, a vaccine, really? Like, that's the only way we can live normal? Right. So, how long do we stay in? No, that's the thing. I'm ready to go out, but I'm not going to because this is scary shit. It is. It is. And, and I think it's also scary because it's not even just, I'm not even worried about myself. I'm more so worried about infecting my loved ones. No, no. That, I mean, this virus is basically killing everybody's grandparents. And then yeah. with more people added to that, young, old, middle-aged, whatever, it's just now it's at a point where, you know, it's not like going down, decreasing, at least in mm -hmm. Texas. So I don't know. It's, yeah. It sucks to, you know, wipe down groceries. It sucks to wear face masks. or And it sucks just not to see people and go back. Because, I mean, I think about my life like eight weeks ago going to movie screenings, going to the bars, just, you know, seeing people, giving them the high five, hugging, kissing. Yeah. It's just kind of, it's all gone now. That's all gone. Like, <laughs> even when they do finally allow, like, say, press screenings, you know they're going to do it where they're going to space it out. They're going to, you know, we may have to wear face masks, things like that. Well, and hopefully, hopefully there will be no public with us press. Oh, they're going to have to do it that yeah, way. No I, public at all. Yeah. And I hope they still allow us, you know, I still, I hope they, you know, that they won't be like, Oh, we just can't risk it or something, but that right. they, yeah, they're definitely not going to allow it. I wouldn't risk it with the public and just space us out or something. Maybe, like maybe they'll have uh, screenings at the drive-in theaters. <laughs> maybe, maybe, although they're far away. I know. So like the closest one to you and I, is probably what 45 minutes south of us i think God. and it sucks yeah no no i wouldn't do it i would not do it no so unless they build another one in dallas county uh count me out right or they're gonna you know send more screeners somewhere. right but i mean there's no theatrical screening stuff it's been basically vod netflix yeah. hulu stuff so there you go yeah well well, Susan, we, we, we've talked about the news. Are you ready to cry? Are you ready for your 120 days of sadness? In, yeah. Are you ready to get sad? Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm ready to get sad. Fuck, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> I just, okay, yeah, we'll see. Okay. I, I want to see you cry. How about that? I've, I, I've never seen you cry. You definitely, I cry in movies all the time. I am a sucker with that stuff. You've never seen me cry in a movie? I cry in movies all the time. What are you talking about? No, you tell me. You tell me. Like, after Onward, I was like, did you cry? And you were like, I choked up. We were sitting next me. to each other. I know. You didn't cry. <laughs> I looked at you. Like, I saw <laughs> another person crying next to you, but that was it. I saw you. You do this. You cross your arms. You have a very, like, same position. You do this. 
And that's your face the whole time, except for when you laugh. You just go, <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's Brian watching a movie. I'm like, is he feeling anything? I feel like I'm so self-conscious. I don't want to disturb anyone next to me. And so I like, it, it's kind of like how I sleep. It's kind of like I fall asleep in one position. I wake up in the exact same position. That's impressive. So, and like, I feel like when I wake up, I feel like, almost like a burnt out Hercules because I feel like I've been flexing all night. So I'm like stiff and sore because I'm like, my body's just been like, you know, 10 hours of sleep. <laughs> that's, that's crazy. I move around for sure. I'm very aware of it. I'm, a, I'm, I'm jittery. I get not jittery. What is that? Fidgety, fidgety. fidgety. I get a little fidgety sometimes. I try to be more conscious when I'm at like, you know, next to my friends and stuff, try not to be too much, but I definitely cry. cry. I have no problem ugly crying. I, I cry too. I do. I feel like I can name. We're gonna name movies and yeah, we're about yeah. shows. So okay, first off, this is our, our our one of our main events. This is you know all about the sad moments in movies and television. So let me ask you a question, Susan. What makes a TV show, a movie moment, a specific sequence sad in general, not personal, but in general, how, how can you construct a scene? How, how, what makes it sad? Oh, just like what, like when you know it's sad? Or, like, well, yes, not or, like personal, like something that would personally make you cry, but okay. like in general, like what, what makes it sad? I mean, if we're going like technical, the things that make it sad is, you know, sad music. Music has to do with it, uh, the tensity, the more silence well no not even necessarily silence because war scenes can get loud and sad so i feel like deaths like you know a death on screen um do you, do you think so it's do you think there needs to be an established character development for it to be sad or do you think it could happen like really quickly I think it can happen really quickly because you can look back on something like uh, Up, the first five minutes of Up. Right. So, and that's what's so, and it, because even you can go as far as like commercials have made me cry. And right, I don't no, even, for sure, for sure. I don't even know, like, I didn't, I knew that person for 30 seconds. So that's, it's, that's a tough question to answer because it's, it, there's so many variables. I feel like, I feel like something I want to, I want to cop out and just be like, just something good is what makes it like a good story. I guess a good, like something, uh, whatever the story is ultimately is what is what's going to make you sad. Like if it's something stupid or really cliche, then that's sometimes not very sad. Right. No, I, I agree to that. I think there's a certain, uh, that the, the certain ways to go about it can be less uh, emotional than others. So, so we talked kind of like about technical general stuff, but personally to you specifically, what makes you sad uh, when you go to the movies or watch a TV show? What personally, like what, what, what always gets it? What's that button I can push? And it's like, oh fuck, water coming down tissues. So, well, I would say a very, and this has probably con been consistent my whole life, automatically, like, pets dying, <laughs> that is a big one. Like, I will never forget, or I don't know if we're going to an example, but just, like, 
in in general, like especially dog movies, like right. I honestly try to veer away from them because I'm like, I don't want to see them. They're typically some sort of scene they've been abused and they're going to die in the end. That's going to make me cry for sure. Even if I don't like the movie, like even if I don't like it, it's going to make me cry. That and then um, it's really interesting because I, I realized after that, like whatever's going on in our lives what we're experiencing if if a movie hits on that it can really affect you and so like sometimes like uh there was a period where romantic movies and like things like that never affected me but like especially since I started when I was dating Trevor just the start of it then it just changes your perspective on things and then also like um parents and elderly dying like uh, as your parents get older it's just that stuff hits me even harder now. Okay. Yeah. What about you? Uh, personally, I mean, I guess it very rarely does like a pet thing make me cry. Like yeah. it has happened before, but rarely. Like mm-hmm. I can usually take that even though I get like emotional because I have a dog. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I, th- I would think something like either when there's a film and there's like two close people or three close people and one of them dies and you're with them the whole time or something that there's like a love everlasting and it doesn't work out or um let's see here i think it's in that realm or like like showing the future uh of like what life can be without somebody i don't know they're all over the board a lot of weird things but i think it's mostly like deaths within family and friends that yeah gets me and oh boy there's a lot of them so and i think that producing a sad moment can be very visceral visceral and real but also on the other hand, can be super cheesy and very on the nose where like a music swell happens and like the camera's just right, the sun's shining like perfectly and it's just, it doesn't, it's just like, oh really, we're doing this for the cheapness of it? Like I just, and it takes me out of it and I'm just like, uh, stinker. Right. So, okay, so let's let's just get into this. I'm really curious if we're going to have a a similar instances so i guess let's do movies first um not no tv yet but movies saddest moments in movies for you um well one that really stands out is when we my family and i we watched marley and me on uh christmas (laughs) day yes that was one of the worst christmas movies we could have picked because like nobody told me how that movie was going to end. You just fall in love with the dog and then he's going to die in the end. And I'm just like, we didn't need that. We just didn't need it. You could have just ended on like, okay, Christmas in the window or something like that. But, oh, like, and that one hits hard because, and that was, we had a family dog and she hadn't even, we hadn't even had to put her to sleep yet, but she was getting older so that really hit and when we actually did have to put her to sleep i was with my brother for that and that was just i remember thinking of that movie specifically because it was that scene was like happening and i just how old were you when we had to put her down yeah um i was older i think that was 
I want to say that was before I was in college. Maybe okay. it was before college. No, I honestly don't remember now. Didn't you, didn't you were there with her when they put her down and did the whole thing? Yeah, it was my brother's dog and mostly, I mean, he's the one who bought her and everything. It was Nikita and, um, she was, but I mean, I, we spent a lot of time and when he eventually, even when he moved out, we kept her at my parents' house just because she was, uh, the backyard's huge and everything like that. But nobody really wanted, not that they, they would have gone, but I kind of stepped up to go with my brother. And that was really hard. Cause I'd never see my brother cry. And watching that was probably even worse than, uh, putting her down. Cause that was, that was tough. So that was one of the most difficult things. That was definitely one of the most difficult things. Uh, so that movie in general, like I never want to watch it again because that's what it, it just like goes together. And, right. and I don't, but I would say that um, Life is a House. Have you ever seen that movie? Oh yeah, I've seen Life is a House. So that's my favorite Hayden Christensen role. And I think <laughs> Kevin Klein is amazing in that. He They're makes- both good in it. They're, they're both good, but Kevin Klein is just, I can, that one I can rewatch, oddly enough. I don't know why, maybe just because I watched it younger, but, oh, I mean, I, I, I ugly cry from that, for sure. <laughs> and it's even worse now, because it's, it's a dad, and that's really scary. Like, you know, you just don't want to think about your parents dying like that. Right. Um, oh, man. <laughs> You know, and this is this is where it gets, but like another film that made me really cry. I haven't watched it in a long time, but I am Sam. <laughs> I mean, I get it. I mean, it was sad, but it's also ridiculous. And sad. You, if you watch that now, you would not cry. And that might be the case. But when I was a kid, I ugly cried from that. And uh, 50-50. Oh, with there's Seth Rogen and um, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Gordon-Levitt, yeah. There's a scene that will always get me. I'm pretty okay until you remember when Joseph Gordon-Levitt is just about to get taken away for the surgery. Right. And Angelica Houston, who plays his mom, is like there, and he's like, he's like, mom, mommy, like it's just that like quick moment. You just feel for him. You know how scared he is. You know his mom is just wishing that she could do something, and this all she can do is wait here. Oh, that scene always gets me. All right. All right. Look at you. I know. I could go on, but I'm going to stick with three. (laughs) You're going to stick with three. Okay. Okay. All right. Okay. So three for me. Ooh, that's a difficult one. Oh, I know. You can say more. I just, I feel like I'll go on forever. (laughs) Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. There's so so many. Oh, since we kind of already mentioned up and like Wally and Toy Story 3, I mean, I'm going to put Pixar out of it. So I'm gonna do live action. Okay, okay, so, and these are kind of recent movies that I will go after, I guess. So, uh, Beast <laughs> of the Southern Wild. Um, that gets me every time with Hush Puppy and her daddy and uh, when uh, Wink, the her dad dies and she watches it and she kind of becomes like the leader of the group, which is always really sad. And like the whole scene is like, no crying, no crying. Mm-hmm. And I don't like that at all. I mean, I like, I love it, that movie, but um, also Me, Earl, and the Dying Girl. Oh, great one. That's another one with me. Yeah, so that one is, 
really fucks with you in the movie because there's a narration over it. And then twice in the movie, the narr our narrator says she doesn't die, she lives. And so you're just like, okay, thank God I can rest easy. And then that doesn't happen. And it's so emotional uh, to think about that, that these two best friends and boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever, really cared for each other. And he was with her on her last day and made her this beautiful film. And yeah. That is uh, such a horrible moment. <laughs> Uh, you feel deceived but you're just oh my gosh like it gets you you're just like holy shit <laughs> right right and then i'm gonna flip it on its ear and uh, a moment in a film that makes me cry but it's not like tears of sadness it's like tears of happiness mm -hmm. will smith in the pursuit of happiness oh, okay. at the very end when he gets the job and how he gets the job and I can't imagine anybody watching that and not like getting crying for him in that scene. Do you remember that? I never saw it because I didn't, I, I avoided it because I knew I would cry. Oh no, you should watch it. It's amazing. It's not like yeah. tears of sadness. It's very much tears of happiness, but yeah. the whole movie is such a series of downers. And then how they perfectly execute that scene at the end in Will Smith's performance is just, ooh, yes. Yeah. It's so good. And it, it still like gets me. And if I like watch like that certain scene on YouTube or something. So mm -hmm. there's the three films from each of us. There's, there's tons, tons more like moments in E.T., you know, that still get me, you know. Uh, I mean, we could go on forever. Steel Magnolias. I was gonna say the fault in our stars actually that was a movie that I needed like a towel really right. <laughs> it was so freaking sad like oh my gosh and it, Terminator 2 you know yeah <laughs> no that one didn't get me no one didn't get you come on no. okay uh okay so let's move to saddest moments in television there's a lot of those too so give me your your three saddest moments in television all right. You might even have this one, but by far one of the most, and it was just, sometimes those really good ones that get you is the shocker, but Scrubs, Brendan Fraser's character, when he dies, like, sorry, we should probably have warned people there's a spoiler alert and all these, but at this point, these are, this has been out for years, people. Right. Um, but. So, that so Scrubs is known for just being silly, goofy, but they had a ton very emotional moments and there's actually some really sad moments in scrubs and susan nailed it on the head with this mm -hmm. particular scene because brennan frazier was only in three episodes and this was his Just third and final appearance and it mind fucks you until the last 30 seconds of the show where you think something's going one way and it doesn't yeah. and i think why that show is sad, that episode sad for me is to see that character dr cox just lose himself. Right. Well, and I think exactly. And that's, that's why that show, because yeah, you don't, when I started watching that series and I watched it late, but I did not, I didn't think there were those kinds of things happening in that show. And then Dr. Cox is my favorite character in the show <laughs> and they write him so well and they show you his weakness is almost this this is his soft spot, is Brendan Fraser's character. This is essentially his brother-in-law, by the way. Yes, yes. Yeah, his brother-in-law. But, oh my God, like, 
oh, that's one that will get me every time because it's just you're like, wait, what? And then when it happens, you just, you already have good character development because by that point, you know how much this character means to him. So you already feel, you already know what Dr. Cox is feeling when you realize that he's dead. So, right. uh, and it's one of, probably one of the best written episodes of a comedy. I mean, if we, I don't know, I feel like I shouldn't even call it a comedy, but of a television show in history, I would say. No, no, I agree. It is, that is super impactful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Very much so. So like, like the like the the one line, where do you think we are? And mm-hmm. then it turns back oh. around. Brendan Fraser's gone, and it's just like, oh shit! Oh, <laughs> you know, like the, the the Fight Club, like buckle up your seatbelts, passengers. Yeah. Like what just happened? What just happened? <laughs> you just you you don't even time to process it, and when you do, you're just flooded with emotion. <laughs> right, because Doctor Cox thinks he's going to his kid's birthday but he's actually at the funeral and it's yeah. just, he's not dealing with it <laughs> no oh that sucks <laughs> it does it sucks so bad um i guess another like lighter like happier sad i guess you could say is another great comedy series one of my favorite of all time is the office and yep. i honestly there've been it is it's and I, that's one of the shows that i will like rewatch over and over again it's like my lullaby before bed sometimes uh but there's there's lots of pam and jim moments that get me i will say just in general like um, casino night when he confesses his love there's um when he finds out they're pregnant uh when she gets like asked out on the real date i don't know there's a lot of those but the episode that will always get me it's kind of like leans into two but right before when steve carell is leaving the show there's a scene where they sing um that song from rent yeah four cups of coffee yeah 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 yeah. Yeah. and i it also gets me because in reality steve carell didn't know that the cast was going to sing that song to him so he's standing there and they he thinks he's just doing like the presentation scene or whatever or about to like hand out dundies and they're like, well, actually, Michael, we have something we want to say to you. And he's like, that line was like, something's happening. Like that was in, like that was him. He just didn't even know what was happening. And then they sang that song to him. And oh, like it still gets me every time. That and just like when he does go to the airport um, and leaves and Pam runs after him. Right. It's it's muted because their sounds are off. And but again, the actors are actually having a real moment where Jenna Fisher and um, or Steve Carell are just uh, are saying how much they enjoyed working with each other. Right. And so, oh, that's so good. That is good. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm torn <laughs> between quite a few, but I think the one that keeps popping in my head. I think I'd have to go with uh, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Ooh, yeah. I know that episode. Do you know which one I'm saying? Well, I mean, it has to be the where Will's father comes back into town, right? That's the one. when he yeah. talk, And then he talks to his uncle, and he's like, why doesn't he want me? Oh. That whole episode was brutal on a lot of accounts because we've always heard that, you know, come from a single mother, never knew his dad. And then his dad comes in and they have a great time. And Mm -hmm. you just kind of feel like it's not going to go right. And then like midway through the episode, 
um, Uncle Phil and Will get into a heated argument where Will busts out the French doors and slams them. Mm-hmm. You're like, what's happening? And it's all because, um, all because Will's dad wants him to go on his 18 wheeler expedition with him to work for the summer and Uncle Phil doesn't want that to happen. Yeah. So they're, they're clashing heads. And then of course, at the very end, Will's dad comes in and is like, this is not going to happen. I've got too much to do. And Uncle Phil, or Will comes in and like stops him before he leaves to, he, he's packed up, he's got a present for him. And that scene where he leaves and says goodbye, or you too, Lou. And then he's like, you know, how to raise his kids. He didn't, he didn't see me shoot my first basketball. And, uh, and I think that was all improv, I think is what I read. But yeah, he didn't see me first basketball. He didn't send me one birthday card for, you know, 15 years uh, to hell with him. And he screams it. And then he mm-hmm. walks out and he breaks down. And it's the first time we've ever seen Will Smith actually have acting chops. <laughs> He's a good actor, people. No, I, I think he yeah. is. But like no, I know. I, I know. It's but some people, there is an argument, there's a debate that people think he's a bad actor. And I'm like, I, I have proof that he's not. Well, Pursuit of Happiness yeah. is amazing. But like yeah. in this, he goes from silly to really angry to just a broken down like five-year-old whose parents don't want him. Yeah. And, you know, interesting, I don't know if you know this, Susan, but if you listen to that scene really clearly after he breaks down, you can hear Hillary Banks off screen crying. No. So oh my if you God, go, I have to look that up. Yeah, watch the YouTube link and turn up your volume and you can hear her cry in the background. But that scene sucks so bad. It will suck. It's so good, but sucks oh. to watch because it's I mean I mean when you watch do you still watch it and cry? Yeah, absolutely yeah. I do because it's just it's one of those ones that that gets me too. I think I in general I always feel for kids. There's so many people out there that seek the the love from their parents that you know that we take for granted that we don't realize like just the fact that our parents wanted us and our were around for us and so i think back like oh my god like will like his dad was just never there in i mean in the show right like you know right. he just wasn't there for him and then that also is such a great beautiful moment because his uncle phil is like his his dad in a way you know as his father figure and they have that's that's my favorite relationship of the show is uh will and uncle phil i love it because uncle phil is so tough on him and these that was one of the moments that you truly saw how much he cared about will like his own son right and it was, it was perfect it was perfect it was it was great you know it, that every every scene i just mentioned from a tv show still gets me yeah no for sure uh me too. Me too. Uh, I mean, the Scrubs one, the the Office one, and all the Office ones you mentioned, like when Jim busts in and asks her on the real date, and then Jenna Fisher looks at the camera and just like you're just like, oh my god, heart right there. Yeah. She's <laughs> like, what good. is the question? <laughs> yeah. What is the question? Oh, so that was great. That was good. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that one, that the Fresh Prince one, man, that is that is a good one. That oh, it's so heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Good stuff. Yeah, what about yours? Or do you have some? I, I felt like you might have the Scrubs one on yours, but I wasn't sure. Yeah, so I, I have different ones too. Um, okay. So I'll, I'll start out with four. So like my, like my bonus one. Okay. Um, it was actually an episode of WWE Raw. <laughs> of course. Okay. 
Um, so the, this, this episode of WWE Raw is um, very upsetting. So yes, uh, pro wrestling can be emotional too. It, it has been, um, if it's from a tender retirement speech or, oh, okay. um, you know, having people say their last words in a retirement match or something like that. But mm-hmm. on November 14th, 2005, um, the, the, that was Monday Night Raw. The night prior, one of the best wrestlers to have ever lived, Eddie Guerrero, passed away suddenly in his hotel room from a heart from uh-huh. heart disease. He was like mid thirties. Wow. And they, it was horrible, horrible news. And I was like a huge, 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 huge fan of his. He was amazing, Eddie Guerrero. So instead of going on with the regularly planned show, they did an Eddie Guerrero tribute and. Uh, to start out the show, every wrestler, every wrestler was out in front, in front of a live audience with Vince McMahon, and they did a 10-bell salute to him, and they played a montage of his greatest things to the Johnny Cash song, Hurt, which was horrible. And just to see the audience and all the pro wrestlers just not holding back at all was something, we were all experiencing that in the same moment. And it sucked. And throughout the whole episode, they had little interviews with the wrestlers talking about them, and not one of them could keep a, like a dry eye. Like it was horrible, but cathartic in a way to like deal with it. Yeah, that sucked. That's the bonus one. Okay. <laughs> uh, I guarantee you, if anybody watches that, a fan of wrestling or not, you're going to cry for sure. No, that would make me cry. That for sure. That's it, sad. It's, it's it's horrible. So um, another one that comes in the form of a sh- TV show that you might not think uh, would have a very sad moment that still gets me to this day is an episode called "How I Met Your Mother." Oh. Kind of like the sibling to friends, but it's uh, from season six, episode 13, called Bad News. And I'm sure yeah. Susan knows exactly what I'm talking about. I know what you're talking about. I already knew once you said how I met your mother, I was like, I know which one it is. So in the show, uh, Marshall and Lily, played by Jason Siegel and Allison Hannigan, are trying to have kids forever and they can't. And uh, Jason goes to, uh, Jason Siegel goes to get his sperm tested. And he wants to call his parents about it, but he does never wants to talk to them unless he has good news. And he ends up seeing them and they kind of like tell him like, we love you no matter what, good news or bad. Mm -hmm. So after he goes to the doctor to get his thing checked out, he goes to the bar with his friends to wait um, to hear the good news. So he gets the call and he tries to call his dad about the good news, but nobody answers. And that's when Allison Hannigan pulls up his wife and tells him that his dad had a heart attack and didn't make it. And his reaction is so realistic. And he said, my dad's gone? Like he doesn't believe it. And then they hug and cry and embrace. And he says the words, I'm not ready for this, which is so true and crazy and sad. You know, just thinking about it, you know, I can feel it all happening i know this one's getting me this one's hurting my throat because i that i forgot that one that was that line really got me when he was like i'm not ready because i was like me neither neither, man yeah no i'm not ready for this and this is a show that's like mostly silly and stupid but this moment was so powerful and it's very quick too it doesn't linger it's just like 
your dad didn't make he's like my dad my dad's didn't my dad's dead yeah and then he just breaks down it's like i'm not ready for this and i just oh my goodness that that uh, that scene is great <laughs> almost kind of like a like kind of what they did with scrubs with the right? like the kind of the trick it was a trick almost another one right no I mean, yeah, not quite a, as much but yeah still you didn't expect it no you didn't expect it at all it's uh it's crazy that's a good um, one for that sure that's a great one um another one that uh is on the list for sure which I know Susan watched recently on my recommendation. It's a show called Six Feet Under. And oh, yeah. I think, um, I mean, there's a lot of really sad moments in this show, but it was basically the last four episodes, but specifically the last 10 minutes of the series um, where they fast forward everybody's life until their death. But it's also um, when Claire, the youngest, leaves the house and she doesn't want to leave. And it's just, I've never been attached or felt like part of something like I have, like to characters like I have in Six Feet Under. Like I felt like they were my own family. And these last couple episodes are like kind of life changing. It makes you think like of like how to approach family and friends and people mm -hmm. in a better way. And those set to the song by Sia called Breathe Me, um, mm -hmm. as it goes on a montage of every character's uh, life and death through the future, is so poignant and important and significant. It is so sad. And I remember watching it as it aired yeah. and just like bawling, like I'm like, like vein in the head crying because episodes prior it's very sad with Nate's funeral because Nate finally meets oh yeah end but this last 10 minutes of the show it's it's our unarguably one of the best endings to a tv show ever <laughs> so yeah it was good and when you watched I remember you watched on the recommendation I mean when you got to these episodes and that last finale Susan what were you like Oh, I was, uh, yeah, I mean, to be fair, you actually, you gave, you let me borrow all your discs. I just right, told right, you I right. hadn't seen it, uh -huh. and you were, you didn't give me a choice. You were like, <laughs> you're borrowing these, and you're watching all of them, and that's what I said. I was like, well, the only way I'll watch them is if you have all of them, because that's the thing. I don't really like to, I honestly don't have the patience as much to watch, like, episode by episode weekly, but I did binge it very easily, and that last episode, I know, I think of, I can actually picture... Oh God, you just said the daughter's name. What was her name? Claire. Claire. I picture her on the bed. I can remember, um, oh, I, I forgot the characters' names, but the- Nate and David. Well, and I remember Keith. Nate's death because Nate died before. Yeah, well, Keith and David, the gay couple. Keith and David. Okay, Keith's death, the one he dies, that made me sad when they show how he, because he didn't, he got a bad death. <laughs> like, he did. <laughs> I was like, damn. <laughs> um, but like when they show um, uh, David's in, you know, right before he had his heart attack, he saw the younger Keith running with the football and you're just like, oh my God. That's yeah. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. It was, um, no, it was great. I remember, I'm, I'm sure I had texted you that I really liked it. it right, was, right. I cried. I definitely cried in that finale. I'm sure, I feel like I'm sure I cried in other episodes. It was really good. I was, I was very impressed with it. It was unique. And especially knowing what that show is about with the family who works a funeral home and deals with bodies, dead bodies, it was, it was very fitting for them to right. end like that, fast forward to their deaths like that. It was, it was one of those times where, like, 
I'm glad a show did that because it made sense why they were doing that. Sometimes a show could try to do that and be like, okay, did we really need that? But it made perfect <laughs> sense. Right. That, that scene still gets me. Like this, even listening to the song by itself still gets me because I will picture the whole thing in my head. <laughs> and yeah, then like it's a good song. ending on Claire at 102 blind with her like photography career in the background. It's just like, it's just, oh my God. And then like instantly cut to her eyes on the road. You know, it's like perfect. Yeah, yeah. No, it's really great. It is a good one. It's a good one. And then the, the one that... I, I, there's tons of others from shows like Lost and, um, and Cheers and The Simpsons, but the one that does it for me is maybe surprising to you, but it is actually from an animated show called Futurama. Oh, uh, I and don't watch that. Yeah. You don't watch that? Okay, well, you should watch it. It's, <laughs> a, it's amazing. So this is, uh, of course, when people, there's a lot of really sad emotional moments in Futurama because it's just a really well done show. Mm -hmm. But the one that's like the worst that literally fucking killed and wrecked everyone was an episode called, entitled uh, Jurassic Bark. It's from season four, episode seven. And it is like, it's still so painful to watch. So in this episode, you know, Fry, um, being alive in 1999, he, he's a pizza delivery guy. He accidentally falls in a cryogenic freezer and he's uh, frozen for a thousand years. So he wakes up a thousand years later in the future. So that's kind of like the premise of the show, the whole show. Uh -huh. um, so, you know, in the future, there's this new museum that opens up about like his pizzeria. Like, so it's like a, like a museum that he can go visit. Well, in this pizzeria, he finds his fossilized dog that he had when he was alive back in 1999. And so the whole episode of Jurassic Bark is basically the professor Farnsworth tells him that he can clone the dog and bring him back present, you know, in the present day. Mm -hmm. And so spliced into this episode is uh, flashbacks of Fry and this lovable dog. And Fry is getting his apartment ready and stuff. And so once they're at the end of the episode, when they're about to clone him, when they stick like the little needle in the fossilized dog, um, the, the computer reads out that uh, the dog, his name's Seymour, uh, died at uh, 15 years old. And uh, Fry stops the cloning and says, stop, you know, I only had Seymour from ages one to three. He lived a full life after me for 12 years and he forgot about me, but I will never forget about him. So they don't, they don't, um, they don't clone him and they all walk out of the room when Fry takes one look back at him and then walks out. And then, and then they show a montage of the dog waiting for Fry for 12 years through all the seasons in the same place Fry told him last before he got frozen mm -hmm. until the dog lays down and closes his eyes and dies. Oh, Horrible. Yeah, I don't like that. <laughs> and it's done to uh, the song uh, from the movie, The Umbrellas of Cherbourg. Um, sung by Connie Francis and the song goes, I will wait for you. Mm. And so like the other true sad part about this is that Fry will never know how loyal his dog was. 
but it's it's awful, Susan. No, it sounds <laughs> awful. You know how I feel about dog stuff. That that would I mean, be. It's it's a funny episode and it's a great show because there's so many sad moments. But this episode, you should just watch this episode uh-huh. and, and call me. But it is it wrecked everyone. And I'd imagine when if this episode came out with all the social media there is today, it would have been it would have been viral for sure. Yeah, yeah. But greatness, greatness. But yeah, those those are a lot of our uh, of sad moments and sad shows. And I mean, I just got a little tearied up with uh talking about that Futurama episode because damn it I have a dog and I just don't want it <laughs> I know cross I, I, that moment uh that, yeah. that bridge but just with that episode it just shows that Fry's last word before he got accidentally frozen for a thousand years like wait here for me and the dog literally waited for him in the same spot and it just shows the seasons pass as a dog gets older until he lays down and closes his eyes and dies oh, and man. cut to black. <laughs> it's just like, no, it's, no, it's horrible. It's horrible. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, those are some of the really sad moments here. And I think, you know, I think there's like really terrible sad moments like that are done poorly, but yeah. Uh, I don't know. Let's stop talking about these sad moments. I know. And I know. refresh ourselves with all that is good with our blind watch. <laughs> yeah, so if you see Susan's face, like <laughs> we're, we're gonna get into this. So it was my my episode to pick the blind watch where we pick a movie that both of us have never seen. We watch it, we talk about it. So I picked, I don't know how I found this, but I don't know either. <laughs> there's a movie called Ricky O, like R-I-K-I dash. O-H, the story of Ricky, and it's a Hong Kong martial arts film from 1991, which if you watch the movie, it looks like it was done in the early 70s. But this movie is so batshit insane, so terrible, it's amazing type of movie that makes not one bit of sense at all. So, okay, so first off, I fucking love this movie. I watched it, and then I watched it the next day for the second time. I don't know why you did that to yourself. No, because I love these types of movies. I love how crazy these movies are, because I imagine the director of this movie was like, we're making the best thing in the world. And there's a lot to be said about this movie, because there's a ton of really gory practical effects that actually look good. Um, but there's a lot of really horrible shit to it, like filmmaking wise. But I want to know, when I mentioned this to Susan, our, our very lovely Susan, I'm sure she's like, fuck, what did I get myself into? Yeah. yeah. And then she watched it and she said she watched the whole thing. And I did. In the first 10 minutes, I texted Susan because I watched it before her. And I was like, holy shit, I think was my text. And... Okay, Susan, please just tell me a general thought in a couple sentences about that before we get into like kind of what it's about and then going into scene specifics. First of all, my first thought is what the fuck? That is the <laughs> thought. Like what the fuck is this movie? Like that was my I was I seriously I I thought it was honestly like a old school film. I didn't look it up. I saw what it like I would look a little bit. I was like 
That's Brian's pick. Whatever. I'm gonna I'm gonna really <laughs> keep it blind. You said it was on Tubi. I looked it up on Tubi. I watched it. That thing starts, and I was like, wait. When I hear the voiceovers. Oh yeah, it's dubbed and it's horribly dubbed, but it's, it's like so almost hard. perfectly dubbed. <laughs> right. So then I'm like, because first I'm thinking that it was serious. Like I was like, wait, did they just get bad dubbers? Like like these people are not good because this does not work very well because i've seen you know old japanese movies with like proper dubbing and then like and then i'm just seeing like gore on like <laughs> disgusting and i'm like that's when i texted you within the first five minutes and i was like what the hell is this movie like for real <laughs> this is this is insane like is it supposed to be bad and then i realized what it was doing so i once i understood what it was I will say I was like, okay. You okay. had a good time with it. You laugh, you're like, Jesus, this is ridiculous. Well, what about a good time? <laughs> let's, not, let's not go that far. <laughs> I went ahead and I was like, okay, I can appreciate this a little bit, a little bit. I was like, okay, okay, it's kind of funny. I get it. I get it what they're doing. It's like making fun. But dude, oh my God. It felt like two hours. It felt so long. It, it, was, it was like doing... It got way too repetitive of being the same thing. Like, how many times is this guy gonna survive from like stab wounds and guts spewing out and buried alive and all this shit? I'm like, okay, it was funny. Like, it should have been a short film that was like 30 minutes long or something because it got way too repetitive. I was like, I guess I was just like, okay, so this person's gonna come in and then they're gonna do that and. It was just like people fighting him and then hit them getting injured and like it took forever for some people to just die and I just and they need to get to the point a lot quicker because after a while it lost its stick for me. Okay, it lost your stick. I could see that. I could see that because it's kind of like the same redundant thing. So what is Ricky O the story of Ricky about? So it's about this guy named Ricky who arrives at a prison <laughs> with who we find out immediately going through a, a metal detector, he has seven bullets in his chest mm -hmm. and he calls them trophies. It's really fantastic. And, <laughs> and so he goes in and things seem okay in the prison, but the, the, um, the second in charge warden, not the official warden, but the second mm -hmm. in charge is like this fat dude who loves porn and to eat and has a fake eye he keeps his uh, breath mints in. Uh, but he, he is running a, the prison is running a poppy cocaine field and everybody tries to kill Ricky for some reason, but he has allegedly this super strength, which we see in a flashback where his uncle throws tombstones at him in a graveyard. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. Yeah. But, and so he, he's like defeating people like in a video game to get to the big boss, which is the, the warden who has a son who is so Looney Tooney cartoony, mm -hmm. uh, kind of like he has like one of those hats on with the twirly things. He has like high shorts on and tennis shoes. He's like, la 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 eating <laughs> thing. And it's, it, it looks like a 30 year old like Chinese guy in that, sh in, as this kid doing this. And so when the warden fights, um, before all of this, there's like four gangs in this prison and each gang is led by this supernatural being that has a different type of weapon. But when the warden is getting defeated, the head warden, he turns into like this 30 foot monster 
that very much looks like was made by eight-year-olds in their arts and crafts class. <laughs> yeah. And that's kind of how the fighting is too. Like, like two kids in their mother's basement having like a go. Yeah. Uh, but the gore in this, holy shit. Practical effects, like like Susan said, in the first five minutes, some dude gets his face shaved off, yep. and then somebody falls on like, like a, a board with nails sticking out of it, but he survives. The dude with the thing survived too. They just yeah. put, like wrapped his face, like right? and he dies later. But it's like what, like yeah. And then there's like the guy named Zora who's like this 500 pound sumo wrestler who's going to beat Ricky. Ricky just sticks his hand through his stomach. And oh god, and you see it all come out. Some people get choked with intestines, but which Ricky... <laughs> the intestines look straight up like sausage links. It's so ridiculous. Oh no, no, for sure. I mean, you can even see strings in the background. It is such a funny movie. Like it's so bad, it's good. And I can't believe this movie would play perfectly at Fantastic Fest. Like it, yeah. And so, uh, this show had been this sh or this movie, Ricky O, The Daily Show, and Craig Kilborn's late night talk show used tons of clips through this throughout their entire series to like get laughs. Okay, <laughs> I didn't know that. I didn't know anything about this movie before. I can't believe it existed. I mean, it actually has a really good score on Rotten Tomatoes, so I'm probably in the minority, but. That is not my cup of tea. So yeah, no, I didn't know this movie existed either. Uh, I just somehow stumbled upon it looking for a, a movie for this segment. And I was like, hmm, Ricky, Ricky. I think I, I, I looked up uh, best violent movies is what I looked mm, for. Of course you did. And you know, like there were some, but then I saw this thing called Ricky O, the story of Ricky. And I'm like, man, this looks like it could be so terrible and funny. It's that good. Yeah. And first 10 minutes, I was like fucking in. Like I, I just was like, I fell in love. I found like my new go-to. I have got to find this on Blu-ray because you can go to Tubi, T-U-B-I, and watch it for free. You don't even have to sign up. Just start watching. Yeah, that's nice. So, and, and so um, this film was inspired by like Peter Jackson, Sam Raimi type stuff yeah. from their old horror stuff. So this movie, please, Susan, do you, would you recommend this movie? This, no. <laughs> I would not. I mean, okay, if you're like Brian and this is totally no, your no, no, Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> Let's say you would recommend this. Let's say you and I, or I had a bunch of people over, like 10 or 12 people, and we did a movie marathon. And this was one of the movies nobody had ever seen. And it was like 11 p.m. at night. We're having fun, we're drinking, and this comes on. And we're all having a good time watching this. Like, you know you'd have a good time watching this at Fantastic Fest with an audience. Yeah, I think, actually, I think you're, you're, I think it's more fun watching it at home, like you said, like, more like when we're at Fantastic Fest, like, back at the house. Okay, okay. Because I would want to talk. And I don't talk in theaters. So I would want to be like, oh my God, are you serious? I'd be, I'd be that annoying person, you know? Like, I want to be free to be annoying while I watch it and be right. like, that's so stupid. Or are you serious? Like, 
So yes, that you do bring up a good point. If it's if it's in a gathering where you're drinking and you can talk through it, yeah, that's fun. It is fun like that. Yeah, they're, they're, this is not a serious movie no. whatsoever. It, it's it's absolute. It's a terrible film. Yeah, no. acting, story, filmmaking wise, it's all terrible. But it all came together to make this just hilarious motion picture of absurdity and ridiculousness and over the top that just works like it's something mystery science theater 3000 or riff tracks would die to have and do yeah i wish there was more to the story honestly because i don't have anything against like a like what it was like because i think back of like the the room right room or is it just room with yeah, tommy the, 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 so i think Room is the one with uh, Brie Larson, and the the room is the Tommy Wiseau one that is you know right. so terrible became a cult hit. Right. So so I fully agree. There's some movies that are so bad it's good because I actually really like like the room is so bad, but it's really entertaining. Um, but I think part of it is that the room actually has things happening. More is happening. Not good things, but it's more variety and with Ricky O once like I said once I started and I got what they were doing I was actually I was like okay I was actually I thought I was almost gonna text you and be like hey this movie's I see I'm, I'm getting enjoyment she, after, say, she wants to say it was good she doesn't want no, to give me that no, it was <laughs> third but like I said after the first 30 minutes it's an hour of the same thing over and over again. So then I'm like getting annoyed and I'm like, when is this going to end? Or when are they going to do something different? Cause I, I can only watch this dude get attacked. It's just, it was just a different ways of him getting attacked and stuff. And it just really wasn't the only times that were like a breath of fresh air were the flashbacks to his girlfriend or how she died and things like that. I, those I actually enjoyed. So I just, if they would have given a little bit more variety, yeah, I'd be sitting here saying, actually, it's a, it's a good, so bad, it's good movie. <laughs> but it's too long. Like, you're going to get sick of it. Like I mean, it's only like 80, 90 minutes or something like that. But I mean, it, it, does, it feels longer because it's kind of like the same shit going on. Yeah. But, that's why. Yeah. Horrible dialogue and gore. That's all I, I That's needed. why. Like, it's an hour and a half. It's like an hour 32 or something like that. And it's just too much of the same thing. Like, that's a curse for any movie. If you're going to keep doing it, then, like, that's why I was, that's why I kept thinking the whole time. I was like, man, if this was a short film, I'd actually be like, this is great as a short movie. Like, a, and even, like, a, a long short, like a 30 minute. So, that. I'm pretty sure the director of this movie was like, I have struck gold. This is the best movie ever made. <laughs> I mean, the reviews aren't bad for him. I don't know. No. It, it actually a lot of people like this movie because yeah it's so ridiculous yeah it's, there's it's, uh, no way i could have watched it again no like oh i did oh yeah I, I'm, were gonna, you sober? I, I'm gonna buy this and i'm going to watch it again like this will this is gonna be in my collection and you were sober you weren't like making a drinking game out of it no no which i, I will at some point but i i'm looking forward to the day that i can unleash this movie on a bevy of unsuspecting people who have never seen it because that's going to be truly fun to watch yeah yeah <laughs> so that's our blind watch susan gets to pick the next episode so yes. since i did this to her i can only imagine what we're going to go to it has oh, yeah. to be something we've both never seen but no uh, i know that's the, the hard part of it yeah that, that it is because we've seen so much so that's why we yeah. go to like ricky o but uh 
before we wrap up the episode, this, this, this podcast, we're going to do our honorable mention section where we want to just tell you some of the things we've been watching and what you should watch now. So Susan, start us out. So actually this weekend I watched, this past weekend I watched quite a bit, uh, starting with um, so A Secret Love. It came out on Netflix uh, made by uh, Ryan Murphy. It is a documentary about this lesbian couple. They're like very old now. Um, I watched it. You watched it? I did. Yes. Did you like it? It, it was, it, it was, it, it was all right. Like it was cool. You didn't cry? I did not. Like I thought I was at one point, but then I wasn't because there's like a, like a sequence where I was like, oh God, one of them's not going to make it. Yeah. Type of thing. Yeah. Um, so. <laughs> well, yeah. It, well, I just think that it's so, I, I ugly cried on this one at the end of it. Um, it's just because it's another one of those films that's just such a beautiful relationship. Right. And I just think, I mean, again, I, I don't think it's a secret if anyone's, I, I believe love is love. And I just think it's ridiculous that they had to be like in such a secret for such a long time. I'm happy they finally did get married, but it's kind of sad that they didn't get to be, you know, who they were for a longer period for, of time. Yeah, for a longer time. Yeah. And That's then kind of it was only later in their life when their health wasn't doing well and they had started mm -hmm. to have where they were family and friends started being there and they got to finally do it. Like that, that was good. And yes, like I know at the very end in like the epilogue, like text, yeah. I know what happens, but like I was expecting that to happen sooner, I guess. Right. So, I mean, it's just, it's such a beautiful story. I wish people could watch this movie and just think like, look at them. Like, really? Like, I'm sorry. Why does it bother anybody to let and, people like that be together? Right. No, no, for sure. It has that. And then the bonus thing about this, uh, one of the ladies in this, uh, if you've seen a League of Their Own. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She was one of the baseball players, like, of that league. So. Yeah, like the real, the real people, right? The real people. Yeah, right, not right, the movie, right, right, but yeah. like what the movie was based on. And so yes. that was kind of cool in that aspect. That was cool, yeah. I think it's so great. And I'm not a huge documentary fan, just FYI. I don't, I watch them. I've watched them more recently in the past couple of years. And so I've, I've, you'd say that, and I've watched probably quite a few, but uh, that I think they're growing on me. But this one was so good. Um, but yeah, I just, I have to recommend that one. Um, one, another one on Netflix that I, uh, don't necessarily recommend, but if you are a Lifetime movie fan, which I am, uh, unfortunately the Lifetime movies have not been, they've been particularly like worse <laughs> in the past couple of years. It's like they've given up on paying for good actors or something like that. Uh, but Dangerous Lies is on Netflix. It stars the girl from Riverdale who plays Betty. Mm -hmm. um, they're not Betty, I'm sorry, Veronica, the one who plays Veronica. And uh, it's, it is legit, like, straight out of, like, I call it a Lifetime movie on crack. It's about um, a couple who, the, the wife was a caretaker for, oh, the guy who played um, Ross and Monica's father on Friends. Uh, did you never watch Friends? Fuck no. Oh, my God. Only a couple crazy. episodes. So crazy. Well, anyways... Uh, when he passes away, he's like this rich old guy and he leaves everything to, uh, his caretaker nurse girl. And, um, anyways, it just turns into like, a, a thriller 
thing. And it's, it's stupid. It's definitely stupid, but it's uh, still, it's fun. It's a fun one. I also watched The Willoughby's. Uh, uh, it's on Netflix as well. It's um, an animated. Did you watch that one, Brian? I did not. I feel like you'd really like it. Just heads okay. up. Uh, Ricky Gervais is the uh, plays the narrator as a cat. And um, it's actually, it's a really great, uh, it's not about like a t- typical traditional family. It's about two parents that keep having kids that they don't even want to have kids like Martin Short and Jane Krasowski. I don't know if I say her name right. They voice the parents and Will Forte plays the voice of like the older son. Good cast. Yeah. Maya Rudolph, Terry Crews. It's a really good cast. And basically like they, they ignore, neglect their kids, sometimes starve them. They don't even feed them. It's, but this is a funny comedy. Like it's, it's kind of like a lighter, like, reminds me of James and the Giant Peach in a way, in the sense of, like, these, you know, you get a raw deal with your family, and you can kind of create your own family in a way. Okay. Um, it's really sweet. It's, it's, it's nothing, like, spectacular, but it's nice during this time. And then um, I rewatched Never Have I Ever this weekend, and that's so good. That's another one that got me to cry, the end of that cry. And then um, I also watched the series Waco. I watched that too, and I will say this. I don't like Taylor Kitsch, but now I'm a Taylor Kitsch fan. He did an amazing job in Waco as David Koresh. He was amazing as him. And can I just say, I didn't really know the full story of Waco, by the way. Like, I didn't know all the extent of it. I was, how old was I when that happened? I was 12, I I think. I think I was 12. And I remember that happening, like watching it. And even at a young age, I was like, this does not seem right. I um, did not know. I only had heard about it later in life. I, I Actually, I wish I asked my parents if they like watched when that was happening because I know they were all about the OJ trial. But like, so I figured they might have known about that stuff. But that was, I mean, and that one is, that's an interesting one because it wasn't, it's not even an original Netflix series. It was originally on like Paramount Channel or something. Right. And then they just put it, so it's like got this brand new life now, this series does, because it was out like two years ago or something. And oh my God, I love Michael Shannon. I really do. Yeah, he's good. I think he's such Every, a great everybody actor. Everybody in that show is great. And like, it's, it's like a mini series. So there's only a few episodes. Six episodes, that's it. Yeah. And so it like shows like both sides and how wrong and right they both were. Yeah. And that- yeah. That's what I thought was interesting is that they give you a perspective from it that you have, you have like people on both sides that you do agree with. Like you've got like the Michael Shannon and like the John Leguizamo characters on the FBI side, but then you've got like the people who aren't David Koresh on the other, but then you've got like David Koresh and the douchebags at the government that just, it's, it's a, it's a mindfuck, I would say. I was really like, I was, uh, I was shook from that series. No, it, it's good, and it's kind of like nonstop. Like it's always tense. Like it doesn't wait till the last episode to get into like the killing and violence. Mm-mm. Uh, so it, it, oh, it's crazy. I mean, you can go look at it because like the crash thing didn't happen in just a span of a couple hours. Like it was like no. a month standoff, basically. Fifty-one days. Fifty-one days. Fifty-one yeah. days. 
No, so, well, it, and that's the thing. How did I? I'm just curious since you did watch it. How did it make you feel about like what happened and how the government handled it? Oh, I'm a firm believer that the government usually doesn't do a good job and is, you know, doesn't do well. So I see both sides to it. Like, yeah, as you've seen people talk about like this cult and I will call it a cult. Um, oh, it's a cult. It's a cult. Yeah, but they really weren't doing anything. Like it doesn't seem like they were going to drink the Kool-Aid anytime soon. Like they just didn't bother anybody. They were just there. But there were things that were happening that, you got to talk about but then each side just escalated it over 50 days and then by the government turning off the water food supply and all of that it just you can't do that people no. will go crazy people get hangry in like three hours yeah let alone not having water food or power for days and days with women and children and everybody in this commune no it was the wrong way to do things it was absolutely the wrong way to do things. And I just, uh, for those for those that feel like upset because some people have been upset that they're sympathizing David Koresh, like I do not sympathize with David Koresh, just FYI. I sympathize for the people that he preyed on, the weak souls. I think that man is disgusting because he was, I mean, the dude was sexually abusing underage children. Right, right. No, he, he absolutely was. Yeah, he was not a good man, but you take advantage of people like that and you feel for those, those people did not deserve what happened to them. Yeah, I don't think, yeah, they didn't deserve to be trapped in a fire. And, no. Yeah, no, no. It was crazy. So, yeah, no, it was a good, it's a good show. Taylor Kitsch is not a great actor. Like, I just don't like seeing him in movies, but when I saw Waco, holy shit, he's so good. I hadn't seen him in anything, so... Oh, Okay, yeah, so he's... It was good. Yeah, I'm glad you liked it. Good deal. Oh, it was really good. It was it was good, but it's a tough watch. It'll make you, like, angry more than yeah. anything. There you go. Um, my couple honorable mentions real quick. Um, Wendy is out on VOD. Check that out. The director of Beast of the Southern Wild, Ben Zeitlin. This is his first film since that movie called Wendy, and it's uh, his version of Peter Pan, and it is actually quite good. So check that out. Vivarium, um, a movie they premiered at Fantastic Fest this past year, stars Emojine Poots and oh. um, Jesse Eisenberg. And it's kind of like a feature link Twilight Zone episode where this, uh, these two, uh, this couple um, walk into a realtor's office to just go check out these houses that are, look really good and relatively priced. Um, they go there, they see the house, and they go in this neighborhood, and every house is the exact same. And when they try to leave, uh, the realtor is not there with them anymore, and they cannot get out of this neighborhood whatsoever. And then all of a sudden, a baby is dropped at their door. Um, and it is very, um, it's not a light-hearted movie at all. Okay. It's very sci-fi, not sci-fi, it's very Twilight zone scary, uh, about... Uh, de-evolution of a couple and what's happening around them. So very good. Highly recommend. Um, I watched the sequel to The Big Lebowski, The Jesus Rolls with um, John Turturro. Plays out like um, an indie French film where the Jesus character from Big Lebowski, him and Bobby Cannavale and Audrey Tattoo from Amelie, 
they are all friends. They set out on a cross-country journey in a vintage car, and they have sex with each other and the people they meet. Um, there's really nothing Big Lebowski to this movie other than the character who tries to do his one-liners from the movie. It's really actually not that good. Um, that sounds but, bad, honestly. No, it's really, but it's a crazy cast. Susan Sarandon, John Hamm, Pete Davidson, Christopher Walken are in it. It's crazy. So uh, there's moments in it, but overall, if you're looking for Big Lebowski, this is not it. Um, yeah. And the other one I will recommend, which I highly, highly, highly recommend you find and watch this on VOD. It's available everywhere. It is called Working Man. You will, won't really recognize many people in it, but uh, except for Talia Shire, who played Adrian in Rocky, and oh. the daughter to Corleone in um, the Godfather movies, to the Dawn. So this movie, Working Man, kind of takes place present day where an elderly man has been going for decades to a factory to work at a plastics factory, brings his metal pail in, they close the factory, but he just keeps going in, and he kind of starts like this movement with the townspeople to keep going back there. And it is feel good, it is great, and it tells the world that Talia Shire is still goddamn amazing because she hasn't been in anything for so long. And like, why? Because she's still so good. Mm -hmm. um, so, highly recommend Working Man. It's a short, good, feel good. You're going to come out smiling at the end of this movie. It's something to watch these days and it's very pertinent and important because it's happening now places are closing down people are out of work yeah and when you watch this movie when you watch this movie working man you're just gonna love it okay yeah that's i think a, you'll like it susan interesting. yeah, yeah. look that yeah. up you very said it's on vod yeah it's I, I think it's on all the platforms like okay. i don't think it's like free on netflix but you can pay like two bucks to rent it on amazon or itunes or something or vudu but it's all worth right. it it's completely worth it and then you'll, you'll be happy. I mean, there's like some sad moments to it, but overall it's a very good feeling. Kind of like uh, Little Miss Sunshine had those mm. emotional and happy moments. There's kind of like that kind of journey in characters from going from here to here. Okay, good so to know. You'll like that, you'll like that. Um, so yeah, that is our fifth episode, 120 Days of Sadness. We had, we, we got choked up. We, we got choked up. We, yeah, we, we we talked about Ricky. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. We talked <laughs> about Susan's best friend again, Joey. Uh -huh. uh, yeah. But yeah, we we are no BS with Brian and Susan. Our podcast this is our first video. This will be on YouTube. It'll be on the podcast networks as well. Um, I'm Brian Kluger. You can find me at Boomstick Comics, High Def Digest, and Screen Rants. Uh, you can find me on YouTube. I recently just got back on Instagram and been posting videos. So they'll go there for a laugh. It's been three years. Uh, yeah. Just type me, yes, type the name in. And then I know Susan's everywhere as well. Where can they find you, Susan? Yeah, hi. Uh, you guys can uh, find me at ictn.tv, uh, City of Irving on YouTube. Also, thischicksflicks.com. And Twitter is at this chicks flicks and Instagram as well. You can find me there. Hell yeah. And we're going to be back with episode six. So episode six, and I'm kind of thinking we should go satanic with this. The mark of the beast. Six. Oh God. I thought we were going to do happy. <laughs> oh yeah. We're going to do happy. Okay. Okay. We're going to do happy. Yeah. We did a sad moment. We're going to do happy, yeah. happy moments, laughable moments next time. Uh, and I can't wait to see what 
Susan picks for us for the blind watch. I know. It's always a pleasure, Susan. I look forward to the day where we're going to have a meal and watch a movie together. Same. So hopefully sooner than later, but until then, we'll be quarantining. You stay safe out there and no BS. Yeah. Bye, y'all.